is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Hi, there we go. Fantastic. Woo! There's a bright light up here. Um, it's the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, you know, it's great being with, with all of you. Uh, I know that a large percentage of you have never met me. I mean, like a very large percentage of you. Um, ju- just think of me as this. Uh, um, when you go to a family reunion re- and you discover an uncle you, th- you never knew you had, I'm that uncle, all right? I'm, I'm that person that's part of your family, which we're part of Christ Central Churches, and so we're all part of the same family. Um, but obviously, this is our first time since COVID because it was actually 2020 when COVID hit is when we decided, which was great timing, to connect with Christ Central. And so we didn't have Jeremy or Roger over until 2022. And so there was this period of time as we introduced it to our church. It was actually not even live. We didn't have live streaming at the time. We had to record it. And then that Sunday, March, many of you know, March 12th, 13th, and 14th was our in America when they actually shut everything down. And so we had to broadcast it, which is one of those things we hadn't been doing. And so it was new to all of us. But we were super excited and are still just as excited being part of this amazing family of churches. So my, my that, well, we, we talked about Lynn. Just so you know, Lynn is my father-in-law. And so some of you might not have experienced this before, but you ever worked with your father-in-law and your father at the same time? Um, that's what I did when I first became a lead pastor in 2008. And it's been great. My father-in-law has since moved to California, but my, fa- my father has, but my father-in-law remains with us on eldership team. It's just a blessing to have him here with us. It's always a joy to have someone that is, that is more like Jesus than I could ever hope to be. Um, he's just a man of character and integrity. It's great just to serve, serve with him. So my wife could not be here. My wife is, is named Kimberly. Uh, we've been married, it'll be 29 years this coming December. Uh, she's an amazing woman. Um, she could not come with us. I have two children. I have a 22-year-old daughter named Kennedy and a 24-year-old son named Josiah. My daughter Kennedy is getting married in September. And so that's so we have a, a new son, which will be my son-in-law, Gavin, who will be part of our family. He's an amazing young man. We just love him to death. And so we're excited about that. So... One thing I, I just, I'm, I'm going to just right up front is just let you know that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that we're all a family, all right? And so I'm going to treat you as such. And so hopefully you'll receive this as a family member talking to you. Because I think one thing about being connected, regardless of our geographical locations, is that we are connected in Christ Jesus, Amen. And we are the body of Christ. So we're part of the body in Lebanon, Oregon, on the west coast of America, as you are here in in Darby, is that we are part of the body, all different functioning, different grace gifts that God has given us. And as we come together, there's an excitement about what God wants to do when we gather, when we gather together. I know my heart for the local church is that we're passionate about what God is doing. That we're excited that when we gather together, there's not just, hey, we have nothing to do on a Sunday morning, and so therefore we decide we'll come to a movie theater. Oh, we're not going to see a movie, but we're going to spend time with Graham and the team and, and the worship team and everybody else and just hang out together because we like it a little warm. 
And so we come in here where it's nice and warm and cozy, right? And because we just love that. And so it's just that sense of, hey, there's more than just that. Yes, we do enjoy coming together, but we come with a purpose and a passion for what God has called us to as the local church. And I think it's exciting that, that I get to be a part of your church as I have been, and you just didn't know it, over these last number of years and in the future going forward. As Graham just said, you know, meeting with a with number of people this weekend or this past week has been just fantastic for us. As this is our first time since being part of Christ Center that we've crossed the pond and come over and spend time with, with the churches here in the UK and also connecting with other churches in Ukraine and, and in Africa, which is really cool because that is something we were already doing even before we were even part of Christ Central. We were already sowing into and they were sowing into us as a local church. And so it's exciting just to think about the passion that we have. Now, here, here's one thing that I think is, is important to realize. And you've probably heard this before, but I know Martin Luther got a letter one time and he, and he received it and he was reading it. And this lady that had, that had heard about Martin and he'd heard all of the many, many things that he had done and how passionate he was when it came to prayer. He was a passionate prayer and, and in the letter, and I'm going to paraphrase it obviously, but in that letter, she's just inquiring like, like, what is it? Why are you so passionate? Oh, oh, that I could be as passionate as you are. And the response back from Martin Luther as she, as she wrote back to the lady regarding prayer, he just said this simply, said, he just simply said this, regarding passion and regarding prayer, it says, pray until you are. It's like pray until you are passionate. So, so even maybe you're not passionate about prayer, but start praying until you become passionate about it. Sometimes we give up on it too early. We're like, man, oh man, this is just too difficult, too hard. And the challenge for us as a church is to realize that God has called us something amazing. And if we're, and if we're put off by it or, or just like, well, you know, I don't necessarily enjoy that as much as I, I wish I would. Then, 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 then based off of our own lack of enthusiasm, we step back from it. Rather than, as Martin Luther would say, continue in it. I would say if, if you're like, hey, you know, coming to church, oh yeah, you know, it's okay, it's all right. I'd say keep coming until you become passionate about it. When it comes to reading the Bible, you're like, well, you know, as I read the word of God, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going through Numbers, Leviticus, other things, and it's like, I'm not thrilled by what I'm having to read in my devotions. Keep on reading, because what will happen is you continue in that God's going to illuminate things, and he's going to change and transform you. I just, just think about what you're doing next week. If you say, well, you know what, that whole community outreach thing, that's not really my MO. That's not really what I enjoy. I'm not really passionate about Loving this. Yeah, we are as a church, yay. But me personally, oh, it's going to be hot, I think, next week. Or, or man, I, you know, I don't have a blower or a weed whacker or whatever. And if I borrow someone's, I don't know if I might break it. Uh, and we have all these little excuses that we make. Right? Rather, than, rather than that directive in our mind, think, man, I might not be loving this and desirous, but you know what? I'm going to keep doing it until my heart breaks for my city. I'm going to keep doing it until I become passionate about it. I'm not going to give up on it early. I'm going to, so even when I'm sweating and I'm like, you know, like getting a burn or whatever might be happening next Sunday, is that I'm going to realize that as I'm doing it, the more I do it, the more I'm going to fall in love with it. But I believe this. I believe we've been called to be a passionate people. I mean, you might not have heard me. Because that's a really good place to say amen. I've been called to be a passionate people. Amen. 
You know, I, I think we have to realize this isn't something that, that is just, oh, you know, Graham and our team and, and others desire this of us. No, Jesus, even God is speaking to us through, through Revelation and it says that, oh, that, that I would desire not a lukewarm people, but people either hot or cold. And being lukewarm is really not what God desires from us. And I know, you know, coming to, to Britain, I, I know that, that you guys like your warm beer. In America, I like, I like a little cooler. I like ice. I don't know. And, and here, it's like, it's like I'm pulling teeth to get ice in a cup of water sometimes. But, 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 I, but I realize this. I realize that, that God is commissioning us as a people not to be lukewarm, but to be either hot or cold. That there's a passion about what we're doing. There's an excitement about being called the people of God. All right, so that's not even my introduction. That's just a little freebie, all right? But I think it's just exciting just to realize that, hey, there, there's something to be excited about as Christ followers. He's not done with us yet. As long as there's air in our lungs, we are people of his purpose, that we're commissioned to the things that God is calling us to do. In the Bible, uh, in, Acts, in Acts 1, verse 8, and I mentioned this a little bit when we were in, on our um, the weekend away, because I, I think when we realize, you know, all the things that are going on is that sometimes we could say, well, there's so much happening, you know, I want to get lost in it, or, or maybe, you know, I'm not sure what God's calling me to, I, or, or maybe this isn't what, what we're doing, and so I feel, you know, left out on this, is that we always, we read Acts chapter 1, and we get excited to realize that God's calling us, as the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us, equips us, so that we could be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's a sense of a yes and to what God is calling us to do. And there was even a word that came to us as we were gathered together this last week, is that it's not this either or sense. It's like, yes, we gather together on Sunday, but yes, we also go into our community. Yes, we also go into Ukraine. Yes, we, we also reach those that are, that are irreligious, that, that, are, that are different than we are, maybe believe differently than we are, sin differently than we are, look differently than we do. It's like we're called to those things. And then there's enough for all of us to be engaged and we want our churches to be full of people that just recognize, God, you're calling me for your purpose, and I want to be faithful to what you're calling me to. This morning, I just want to talk about our focus a little bit this morning. I think it's important for us to realize that, that what, what are we looking at? What, what are we drawn to? And there's so much in the world we live in that we can be uh, distracted by in our, in our cultures. Right? There are th things that, that would... That would draw of us our attention and even our, our, our resources and our time. And I think it's important for us just to recognize that, that yes, we're, we're called to do the things God's called us to do, but we need to have our eyes set on, on what it is that motivates us, that stirs our hearts. In, in the scripture, in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, this is a very familiar passage of scripture. If you have your, on your phone or your app or, or on an iPad or if someone actually has a Bible here, which is pretty cool, um, it says in Philippians um, 3, 12 through 14, and this is the living translation, it says, I, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection from which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And I, I love this, it says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. And, and I love just, just, just the imagery that takes place in this passage of scripture. When I think about the faith to press forward in what God has called us to. My, my son, who's 
um, obviously not with me, uh, loves to run. Now, and I'm not a big runner, and I, I'm actually less of a runner the older I get, all right? And so I did a little running in high school, uh, played more basketball than that than anything else, uh, but my, my son loves track, and so in college, he ran in high school, then he got scholarships to run, to run in, in college. And, and one thing that, that, um, that he told me is like, there's different races. And I knew what he raced, right? I knew the races that he ran. He ran the 4x100, the 4x400, and the 400, all right? So those were his three races. And he set school records in, in, um, at OIT, Oregon Institute of Technology. He was very good at it. Well, there was this race that he told me about. And he says, it's a 10,000 meter. And I'm like, 10,000 meter? What in the world is that thing? It's like 24, a little over 24 laps. And, and, and they just run it. I said, well, when? Because as a parent, have you ever been to a track meet? They last, it's like a cricket match. Or it lasts forever. It just feels like, and it's hot. And some of this place that you go to have no covering in the stands. And if you don't get there early enough, well, the problem, if you get there too early, you have to watch this race. You have to watch these 24 laps. Now, What's interesting is in, in, in these races, it's not everybody wins. There's some really slow people running. I mean, really slow. Like they're getting lapped by the other group, right? It's like, and you're watching them get lapped. You're going, and so in my mind, as I'm counting, I'm not counting the leader, right? Because they're going to get done early. I'm counting that poor person that's in the very back. It's like, come on, pick it up. You know, come on. We want this. And, and they actually don't even literally officially start the meet until this race is done. And so oftentimes I'd ask Josiah, I said, so when does the meet start? Or, or, when, or when is the 10,000 meter over? Right? Because that race, I, I don't really want to watch that race. You know, it's so long. But what's awesome about that race, here's the thing about this race, and, and to every, at least all the ones that I watched over the last number of years, is that when, when it came to that last lap or the last few laps, I don't care where you were in the race, something changed as far as the runner, you saw their stride lengthen. You, you, you saw more of a determination on what they're doing. They're more aware of the people around them and even pers just cons persisting and saying, hey, I'm going to persevere through so that this person doesn't catch me. So I might not finish first, but I am not going to finish last. Right? And so this whole sense of this race as you're watching it. And, and, and I think oftentimes when I, when I think about a race like this, about even like in this passage of scripture, pressing forward, looking onward as we run this race, that we're looking ahead of what's in front of us. That we recognize that, that yeah, as we start, we're all in this amazing race and we're running as to receive the prize, though only one will receive the prize. But it doesn't mean that person in last place or as they're running stops or quits. They, they still have the same finish line, the same goal and the same passion to complete what they have started. And I think even as, as we're moving forward, I, and I think this, is, this helps us when, I mean, we're in a church and, and, and we, and man, I, I could talk to you forever about our, our evolution of, of 1974 when we were planted from, from, from someone from, um, from Canada up in Nova Scotia area, the same kind of area where, where we have Christ Central Churches at this time, and I was just up there this last year. A family from that region came and actually planted a church where we are. And, and, and how exciting it is to think about, about that connection. But, but, but recognizing that as we're, as we're on this mission together, as we're, as we're running, as, as we're racing this race, is that, is that we have people out of our beginning from the early 70s, that have the sense of, man, we're waiting for Jesus to come back tomorrow. When, when, in our theology back in the day, which has changed, thank you, Jesus, um, but 
is that, is that we were afraid that, that man, Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. And so don't get married. Don't, don't put anything in savings. Don't worry about those things. And, and we still have some, fo- and, and if you're one of those folks, hallelujah, I love you, I love you to death. But we, we could talk later. But, but regardless, it, it's like I, I, there, there's this sense of, of, of thinking, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen tomorrow, so we don't need to do anything. Well, I love race like this because it helps us to realize that as we keep running, I, I love that, now, I love that that finish line isn't in view. I think it's actually healthy for us that we keep running, not knowing, hey, I know when Jesus is coming back. No, you do not. And once you tell me he is, I cross that date off of my calendar. <laughs> I, I, I just say, oh, you come back? Okay, thank you. That, no, he's not coming back there. You know, and so it's just that, the, the sense of saying, hey, we're to push forward and push on, and that regardless, even as you round that corner, you don't see that finish line. It doesn't mean we're done. It means, hey, I'm going to push on. It's not, I'm not over yet. I'm not, as long as there's air in our lungs, is that we're on mission to fulfill what Christ has called us to. I believe within local church is that it's for everyone no matter what age you are, is for this generation, the generations previously, the generations to come. I think we see that within our family of churches, is that it's yes and for each and every one of us to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. And we're excited about it because of who he is and what he is doing. And so we're to run. And I love the scripture in Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, this is the ESV, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance is that sense of foundation. My assurance, my foundation is in the faith I have in Christ Jesus. And I have this conviction. I have this absolute knowing who God is that I can say, hey, I I believe that that Jesus Christ is going to do what he says he's going to do. I have this conviction, this evidence that God's going to do it. I'm, I'm reminded of the children of Israel. And I think about the journey that they were on. And I think about how, how when, when they witness all the amazing things, because we have people, and, and, and we probably do all around us, that, that just signs, we want to see signs and wonders. And if we saw signs and wonders, then so many people are going to come to Jesus Christ. And our emphasis becomes, or our, our subject becomes all about, man, if, if Jesus would, would do this or do this, or this person would be healed, then, then God's glory, then people would come to Jesus Christ. And I think we get lost in, in, in the truth of the matter is that the, the focus shouldn't be on, the, on what happens, but rather the one that has called us to walk by faith, the one that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that my, my passion and my focus is on him. Because when we read the Old Testament, right, is that we can say, man, look at all that God did. I mean, he split it. I mean, here's the thing is, some of us would say, well, I would never have done what they did. Mm, you probably would have. I, I, I probably would have. I mean, I hate to say it about myself, but, but even the, the, the sense of, you know, the, the Red Sea being opened and then all of a sudden, you know, they're all walking through it. And then in a short time, next thing you know, they're, they're, they're making these, this golden calf and worship and saying, this is the God that delivered us from the Egyptians. And to me and to us, we could go, oh, I can't believe them. Really? I, I mean, I, I think that oftentimes would just be who we are. And sometimes we, even as we live our lives, we live our lives almost in a sense of, of, yeah, that, that, that's cool, but oh, if he would only do that again. And we could read Jesus talking to the, or, or the disciples talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, show me a sign. And it's like, yeah, it's like even if we show you a sign, that's not going to do it. And I think we get caught up in that. And I love how faith is this assurance and this passion and knowing without seeing, I have absolute confidence what God is calling us to. Absolute assurance that God has something planned for us. And, and, I, and, I, and I read this passage of scripture or, or the, the scripture in the Old Testament of the children of Israel, the, the children of Israel and they go off into the wilderness 
And all those that, all the, you know, those that were older didn't see, those that saw what happened in, in, the, in Egypt aren't the ones that crossed over. Actually, God instilled new faith and new confidence, new assurance, new conviction in the next generation to cross over to the promised land. And, and, and I think, man, what, what went wrong in here that all of a sudden they lost sight? When, when, when the battle came or when they, when they went across to take a look at what was going on over there in the promised land and they, and they walked around the walls and they kind of looked at the cities and then they came back and they gave this report and only two gave a positive report as God could take us in, into the promised land and 10 of them gave this other report. You're thinking, what, what happened? Well, they, all of a sudden they, they, their, their sight, their focus became on just the stuff around them, the, the difficulties around us. And we think that you know, just because we're part of the family of God, we're not going to see difficulty. That, that's not true. But it doesn't diminish our conviction and our faith in who our God is. I mean, I love the story in the Bible when you see Peter and the sense of, of him coming out of the boat. Some of us give Peter a bad time, right? Because, well, yeah, he started to drown or he lost his footing, you know, when all of a sudden he saw the waves moving. But yeah, I, I love in the scripture when he says, Peter answered him in Matthew 14, 28. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And what did Jesus say? That's not a rhetorical question. What did Jesus say? Come, right? He said, he said, come. It's like, Jesus, if it is you, I think that is key. Because if it's not you, uh, don't, don't call me. But, but if it is you, Jesus, and, and that's where, as, as Christ followers, you know, we think, if it is you, Jesus, command me. Command me to step out of the boat. Command me to trust in you. Peter's faith was not based on his ability to walk on water. It wasn't him being sure-footed and it's like, well, I, you know, I've done a lot of swimming lately and I'm thinking if I walk faster. I mean, I don't know. If you were, if you, when I was a kid, and, you, and I, I don't know if I'm the only one that's ever done this, but that we go running off the edge. I won't do this here, all right, um, because you're not Jesus and so you're not commanding me. But the sense that, that you'd run off and you try to, how many steps can you take before you sink? Anybody do that besides me? I may be the only one. All right, so, but, but yet you have this sense of how far can I walk on water? Peter wasn't thinking that. He wasn't thinking, oh, if I quickly jump out of the boat and go really quickly. No. He was saying, Jesus, if this is you, Lord, command me to come to you. And I think our eyes and our focus must be on the one commanding us, the one that's speaking to us. Because then, if, if we truly understand who it is that is commanding us and calling us, it doesn't matter what the waves look like. It doesn't matter what the opposition might be, the difficulties we might see within our culture, within our communities. It doesn't limit us any longer because it's not them that are telling us to come. It's actually Jesus Christ that's telling us to come. And we actually are, are, are saying, Lord God, if that is you, command me to do the very things that I know you desire for me, for me to do. We have this passage of scripture that is part of our, and it's all of us as churches, as we look at, you know, Matthew 22 is the great commandment to, to love God and to love our neighbor. And then the commission in Matthew 28 is that Jesus, in all his authority, he speaks to us as a people to go into all the nations and make disciples. And sometimes I think we have to remember who's commissioning us. Who's commanding us to go into all the nations? And so when we think about, hey, going to all the nations, we quickly think, look at some of the, the walls and the barriers and the, the storms and the difficulty, instead of going, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Who, who, who commanded us? 
Who spoke to us? This Jesus Christ is one that has commissioned us to go. And, and so we can all of a sudden lose the arguments or the, or the, or the things, the excuses that would, that would limit us. And I love Scripture because the Scripture are full of inadequate people. Right? Now, I know this church is fully adequate, but our church in Lebanon, a lot of inadequate people. All right, people that, that have gone through hardships, have gone through difficulties, and yet they're saved by God's amazing grace. Been transformed, radically transformed by the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. And now they're leading community groups. They're, they're engaged in loving their city. They're involved in, in, in outreaches and to do things that, that they never, that once they were, they were timid and quiet, now they're bold and courageous because of the power of the Holy Spirit that has empowered them to be a witness. Our inadequacy does not limit us because it does not limit God. And actually, and, and once again, read through scripture. I mean, I love the story of Gideon. I mean, Judges chapter six, and as you read that story, just, I mean, it's, it's so many different stories that we read that we're just like, man, these people aren't much different than we are. And Gideon, in the weakness, and even the, as the Lord is speaking to him, as this comes to him, he says, you know, go in the, in the strength that you have. It's not like he could have said, hey, you need to, let, let me sure you up, let's do a little more exercising, let's do more faith building for you. You don't have quite enough faith to, to beat, you know, the, the foe that's coming against you. It's like, no. Just go in the strength that you have. Because God understands that he has more than enough strength to accomplish what he wants to do through a people that are willing to say, here I am, send me. Use me. Not looking at our weaknesses or our shortcomings, but looking that we're a willing people that are willing to say yes to him. And he loves that. Because he loves to be seen through a people that aren't, oh, we're all the big, strong faith. No. Because our faith isn't in ourselves. It's not in our strength. It's in his his strength, what he has accomplished, what he has already done for us. I mean, I love the good news. I love being a Christ follower because I realize that the good news is all about what Jesus Christ has done. That's when, when you talk to other religions and they're, and they're spewing out their things that you need to do. It's all really good advice and it's like, yeah, that's a good way to live. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, that, 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 there's some social justice in there. There's some good things that are helping our community. Yeah, that sounds really good. But we understand there's, that apart from God, there is nothing that is good. And we understand that all goodness flows from who he is, his nature, his character. And that therefore, it's, it's never about, hey, all this good advice is like, no. It's good news of what Christ has done. And so the work's been finished. And now I live this out, this expression of, of good works, of loving, of doing the things that God's called me to, not in a sense of earning anything, but I understand my, my secure position in Christ Jesus because he is the one. He is the one that's done all the heavy lifting. He's done it all. You know, so easy, and, and this is, and maybe America, maybe more so than any place, but we're so self-centered and, and so, we use the word full of ourselves, Right? We are. I mean, I mean, I mean we're, we're puffed up. We're, me, we're a bunch of me monsters. I don't know if you've ever been in a room with a me monster. Okay? A me monster is someone like this. Is that you, you, you come in, into, your, um, in, into a, a party or whatever, and the person starts talking. And then as they're talking, you realize they're not going to stop talking. You know, they're, 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 they got these stories. And then when you do tell your story, right? When you do finally tell your story, you know, maybe it's about your wisdom teeth, and, and you've had two pulled out, right? And so you start telling your, 
your two wisdom teeth story, right? Like, oh, it's difficult. You know, they'd come in here. The roots were kind of entangled. And, and, then, and then the meme monster is just like, is just kind of waiting, ready to pounce with his four wisdom teeth story. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, he's just like leaning in. He's like, oh, yeah. And, 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 then, and then they use the word. If you've ever been in a conversation with someone use a word like this, well, that's nothing. <laughs> and as an individual, when they say that's nothing, you're kind of like, you know, the air just kind of goes out of your story. You know, my, my nothing story that I spent five minutes telling. And now here you roll with your four, your four wisdom teeth story that just trumps all my stories. And, and we have that a lot in America. And I'm sure you have some of that here too. But, but we have that sense where, where we find it has to be about me, I, I. And so people are drawn to churches where it's like, hey, it's about me as well. It's like, yeah, well, God did this. Yeah, but now you need to do this and this. And this. Oh, I'm all, I'm all in for that. Wait till you see what I can do. You just, just sit back and watch. I'm going to take over here. Yeah, I'm just going to step in and you don't have to do anything. And I don't even want you to help me. I don't need you because I could do. And it's like, oh, man, that's, that's not the message of the gospel. That's not the message of the good news. It's not about look what I have done. It's look what he has done. Look what Christ has done, the finished work of Christ Jesus. And we walk in that every day. And because of it, it changes and transforms us and makes us excited about going to the nations. One of our values is reaching nations, making disciples. Right? It's like we want to be reaching the nations. And, and, and you can see, well, that's an ominous thing to do. Because there's a lot of nations. Right? I remember I was in Mexico. I don't... I, I didn't look and see what time I started, so you guys are all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't know what time did I start. It's 11.40. What time do you usually get done? 11, 11.40, like right now? When, it, when I, What time it is? No one's going to say. No one's going to say. Okay. Um, I, I was in Mexico, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving, and I'm going to go see. I'm gonna, this is last November. I'm going to what we call Fiesta. And, and I'm driving. I'm in um, Guadalajara. Now, Lebanon is a town of, get ready, 19,000 people. Now, don't tell me how big, don't give me your me story of how big your town is and how little my town is. All right, 19,000 people. And I, and I was driving, and I'm going to speak at, at, at Fiesta, and, and I'm having this conversation. I, I do this a lot. I, the Holy Spirit and I have these conversations. And if, so if I'm looking at you, you're talking to me, I look like I'm just kind of glassy eyes. It's usually because the Holy Spirit is telling me what not to say. All right, well, how, how to think through stuff. And so I'm in this car with, with, with um, a, a friend of mine and we're driving and I'm driving and, and he's talking about how many people are in this city, millions of people, right, in this city. And I'm just like, millions of people. It's like, what am I? And now these are the car, I'm just being, we're family, right? And so I, I'm literally saying, what am I doing here? Why, what? I mean, coming from Lebanon, coming here, churches all over, you know, in Mexico, we're gathered together and, and, and there's so many millions of people people that need Jesus, and I'm, I'm, I'm this one individual, lands in Guadalajara from Lebanon, Oregon. I'm thinking, what? I don't even understand the purpose here. And I got kind of emotional just sitting there, just kind of like, like not depressed, but I was going, I was leaning, right? It's kind of like leaning there. I want to go to bed. No, um, but just that sense of, of worth and value. And, and, as, and as quickly as, as that came, right, because we go there, or, or maybe it's just me. But we go there sometimes when we're just, just doing life. Something hits us. And we're like, oh, my kids are whew, rough. Or, oh, my marriage, hmm, hmm, not the best right now. Or, oh, oh man, I, I, I should. Oh, what did I say in the, in, the, in the grocery store the other day? Should not have said that. 
Or, or boy, when that person cut me off when I was driving, how did I behave in front of my children? Ooh, that wasn't the best moment. We, we have those moments as we're just doing life that we're like not super happy with ourselves. And so as, as I'm, you know, moaning and griping and complaining, and just kind of this, oh, what was me? I had nothing to say. I don't know what I'm going to preach. Well, that's not true, but here I'm saying these things. And God, and God just like, literally just like, shut up. It's like, and he says, here, and he just played this little movie for me in my brain. And maybe you've seen this illustration before. Is there's this little kid, and he's on the seashore, and there are millions of starfish, all right, millions and millions of starfish. And he's walking up, and he's just chucking one into the ocean, right? I mean, we've heard this illustration. And he's throwing it, and so, I, so here this illustration is just out of nowhere, it's just like, it's like right here, playing on the big screen, the big little kid and everything. And then this guy walks up, what are you doing? He goes, I'm throwing this starfish back in the ocean. He goes, look at all this. He goes, what difference are you going to make with, to these millions of starfish? And he picks up one, and he looks at him, and he goes, well, it makes a difference to this one. And he chucks it back in the ocean. And God just quickly, just like, as, as depressed as I was, I got super excited about, it's going to make a difference to that one to the one person I meet with tomorrow or the people that I talk to tomorrow or, or the church in Lebanon as we, and I shared this all with the church when I got back to Me from Mexico and I was like just overwhelmed with excited about the city of Lebanon of 19,000 people that God is doing something amazing with us. We're on mission together with churches all around the globe, the things we're doing and it's gonna matter to this one. It's gonna matter to the person you talk to tomorrow because we're people that are focused on Jesus Christ. Our eyes are on him, and because of that, I press on for the prize that awaits me, but I don't see a finish line. That that'll come eventually, yes it will, in his return or my ascending to heaven because I die. All right, it's gonna happen. Someday, none of us are gonna outlive the end. It's all gonna come for us unless Jesus comes before we pass away. But there's an excitement in realizing that the, 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 the thing we're called to and Paul's called to and the disciples and the early church are called to is pressing forward, not thinking, not letting the things in our past be ball and chain that holds us back. We recognize one of the amazing things Christ is at the cross. He frees us from a ball and chain of sin. It no longer is on our ankle. We've been set free from that. We're now slaves of righteousness, and I love that. And it's not the same, the thing, oh, well, now it's the weight of being righteous. No, it's not. It's that our righteousness is found in him who has no sin. He became a righteousness for us so that through him we might have the righteousness of God. It talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. It's the work of Jesus Christ. And we as a people get excited about what he's doing, that our, our sights are not on the boat, not on who I am, but I'm looking at, hey, Jesus called me to get out, so I'm gonna get out of the boat. These are people that crossed the River Jordan and battled the nations in the Promised Land. These are the people that are going to go into the nations and fight for the cause of Jesus Christ. These are the people that next Sunday, rather than meeting here, are going into Derby and are actually going to just love on our city. That's what God is calling. And we could do that. Why? Because Jesus is the one that's communicating to us, speaking to us. And we're saying, speak to us, Lord, and he is speaking to us. So my, my prayer is that our faith in God will increase. Jesus, command me to go to Ukraine and serve with Igor 
and the churches and the teams there. Jesus, command me to go into my city that I may be a, be a witness. Jesus, command me to walk across the street and love on my neighbor. Jesus, command me to start a community group that brings people together to strengthen and encourage each other in faith. Jesus, command me. We begin to ask that question to the Lord. Lord, command me. If we say, oh, here's a need, and we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Well, just stop for a minute and just say, Jesus, command me to come to you. Command me to do these things that you put on my heart, you birthed in me as being part of local church to do things that are out of my norm, out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to do them. Why? Because you are the one that commands me. And, and just be ready to say, hey, God's going to do it. Be, begin to ask God to increase our faith, to step out of the boat. And I'm, as I close here, even this morning, I think about our church here in Darby, it's the church in Lebanon, is that, is that God is connecting us. You might not know this, but he's connecting you to Lebanon, Oregon. Okay? We talk about you. We talk about our churches. We talk about our communities around the globe and how he's, connected, he's connecting us together. And there's more churches that will be connected, more people that will be connected as we move forward and faithful what God's calling us to do. And as long as we have air in our lungs, as we want to say, Lord, command me command me to do these things that you're speaking to me. It's not about waiting for tomorrow. It's not about waiting until you're not a hot mess. It's like, oh, I got too many problems to do, to get out of the boat. I'm not, it's like, well, it's, it's just because it's Jesus. It's not because it's you, it's because it's Jesus. It's not waiting for God to speak again and again. Sometimes people say, I don't know, pastor, maybe you said this to someone, hey, hey, will you, hey I'd love to be part of our prayer team. Well, let me pray about being part of your prayer team. Don't do that. Don't, don't put a, a Christianese thing. It's almost like you want this little, like, like, like that's a timeout. It's like when someone says, let me pray about it. Sometimes we just need to say yes to it. Hey, let's, be, let's, be, let's come together on a Sunday morning and, and what's happening next week or even, even gathering together. I mean, I hope you don't ever do this. If you do, you shouldn't. Is you wake up on Sunday morning and you turn to your spouse or turn to your, whoever you're hanging out with and you say, hey, I don't know, you know if we should go to church today. Well, let's pray about it. I, I hope, I hope we, we don't do that. I hope we don't, we, we don't say, well, do I need to pray about it? Because even when, when I realize all that God is calling us to, when I say, you know, Jesus commands us to go, guess what? He already has. He, he already has. He's already spoken to us. And, and so it's not like, well, should I be part of local? Yes. Hey, should I be involved in this? Yes, should I sow into local church? Should I give generously? Well, let me pray about it. I mean, so many times those words come out of our mouths and it's almost like you just need to bring them back and say, you know what, I, I need to be a doer of the word. I, I need to realize, hey, this is what has changed in me. This is why this, we're doing a, a series right now called Countercultural Church and we're going just through the book of Ephesians together and just looking at, hey, the church looks different than the rest of the world. We, we give our money away in ridiculous amounts that, that if we went back and, and added up, well, okay, if I didn't give anything this year, oh, man, I could have bought that new car. Or, oh man, I could have done this. Or I could have gone here or done this. And it's like, yeah, but what if you hadn't given to the Lord? I mean, sometimes we, we try to weigh and measure things. And we think, that's what's important. No, no, no. It's the one who's commanded us. Nothing else matters. The results are his. Whether, whether I broke or whether I have money in the bank. It's like, if I'm sowing, I was, telling, I was doing premarriage counseling the other day and I was telling a couple about how, you know, we talked about giving, we're talking about tithing, and I said, my wife and I, when we first got married, it took us about four years before we finally caught it. 
We are always giving at the end of the month. We're always, okay, well, let's see how much we have at the end. If we have enough, we're going to give to the Lord. And it was always this last minute. Oh, we got five, five pounds, well, not pounds, five dollars, which is less, right? It's like, five dollars, we'll give this to the Lord. And we always wait until the very end. And then we say something like this, and maybe you do this too. Well, next month, I'll catch up. Next month, I'll I'll do that. Next month, I'll, I'll pray more. Next month, I'll, I'll be more faithful to this. Or, or ne- next month, or, or next week. And, and so we, we push up. And we never could. It's like all of a sudden, we, no, we were broke, right? We were newly married, had one job, wife's pregnant. And we're like, oh, how are we going to? And all of a sudden, God spoke to us. We were just doing our bills once again and paying our tithes at the end of the month and going, oh, we don't have enough. And, and we both just looked at each other and said, what are we doing? It says, do we believe in this? Has God already spoken to us about it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's just do it. And it was like that, it was like that quick of a decision. And we just said, that's going out first. It's like we're doing it first. We know what we're making this month. First, let's just give this away. You know, we never have enough money anyway. We're always, we're always, because we're broke and we're doing. But yet, God, and what happened is instantly, once we started doing it first, the peace of God just filled our financial decisions like never before. And, 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 we never, and we never, and I can say this honestly, we've never stopped from that day forward. It just became part of us. And we weren't, I wasn't pastoring, I wasn't leading a church, I was, I was working for Safeway, my wife was having a kid, and, and, we're, and I was preaching once in a while, I was leading worship, I was leading the youth group, and just super engaged in what was going on in the local church, a new church plant up in Washington, and, and we didn't have any money, but we realized once we started doing that, it radically transformed our thinking, because we realized, well now I'm going to actually trust in Jesus. Now I'm going to trust in the one that says, hey come and give, give it, give it away. And I'm stepping out. I'm giving it away. I think so many things in our lives, it's just that matter of us realizing who is commanding us. If we just stop and listen, it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, our Father, as he's communicating to us. And we don't need to argue. We don't need to debate truth. We need to walk in it. We need to walk in it. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Give anything else that needs to happen. Can I... I'm going, to, I'm going to pray over us here this morning. And, and I would just challenge us to be the ones that step out of the boat. I challenge you, if there's a reason why we're still in the boat, and, there, and there's disciples that were still in the boat, right? But you realize these disciples, yeah, it maybe took them a little, a little bit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, right? And they did radical things. All right? You see the church, men and women just leading and raising up others and doing crazy, awesome things in the book of Acts. And reading the epistles, all the amazing things that are going on with men and women as they're just on fire for Jesus Christ. Why? Because they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's us, church. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not people of excuses. We're not people saying, oh, I don't really, oh, don't... No, we're putting those things aside because why? Because he who has saved me has commanded me. And so when we say Jesus command us, we just stop for a second and go, wait a minute. He already said go into all the nations and preach the gospel. He already commanded us to love God and to love our neighbor. What you're doing next week is, is beautiful loving our neighbors. Next week you're going to love your neighbor. You're going to do what God has commanded you to. It's not a question of, oh, can I, should I? It's like, no, he's already commanded it. Jesus has said it, therefore, guess what? I'm out of the boat. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do it. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you that you are the one that has spoken to us. 
God, we hear you. You've changed us. You've, you've, you've awakened the dead man's body, the dead women's body, that we were once dead in our sins, and now we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. And our ears are open. Lord, Jesus, you've spoken to us. You've commissioned us. You've commanded us. God, let us step out of the boat. Let us walk with that understanding of what you have said to us. It's not because of our strength. It's because of what you have done. The good news of the gospel transforms the church's actions. And we're engaged with one another. What a joy it is to be part of this church. We're part of an amazing body of believers that love Jesus. God, use us as we go into the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. But we're here together today to say yes to you. To say yes to you, Lord. Thank you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.